Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. Thank you very much, Jessica. It is uh, really a, a delight. It's always fun to be at Bethlehem, and um, it's been a while, I guess, since I spoke here uh, as director of church planting, which I did for about 10 years. But uh, so good to meet your new youth pastor, Tobias, this morning. Uh, and Jessica, thank you for uh, your introduction and for all you do. What a fun video for VBS. Cheryl and I were just kind of looking at that and thinking, oh man, I remember those days so well. And uh, our kids are a little bit uh, beyond that age, although our grandkids are now getting beyond that age. So it's, uh, it's a little bit crazy how time goes and what the impact and the influence of these years uh, when children are young and have a healthy church community. So uh, it's fun to be here as uh, Dan and, and so many are in Israel. We had the chance to go uh, on that trip with Dan uh, in 2019. Uh, and so uh, just really kind of reliving as we watch on the Facebook feed some of the video or the, some of the photos. Uh, and the Sea of Galilee was certainly one of those high points. So we, we are praying for them this morning. Uh, I do want to thank you for uh, just your prayers and partnership for the, for the work that we share in the Midwest Conference. As Jessica said, I am new to my role uh, as conference uh, superintendent. And uh, so I'm, I'm just sort of getting, getting uh, ramped up to this as we think about the work that we share as 96 churches across uh, our five states. It's, it's, uh, it's really fun. I think one of the things that I'm encouraged by is that God is actually doing some really good things. Yeah, you'll see our, our team there, our Midwest Conference team, and um, uh, it's an interesting group. Uh, we have a lot of fun together and uh, really are, are grateful for what God is doing in some new areas, and you'll see uh, Carla and Oscar, Oscar's the one who's uh, stretched out on the front there. Uh, Carla and Oscar are actually helping us really make some wonderful new connections between our Latino churches. And so be praying for this. This is such an important part of our ministry together and a really a growing edge of our mission, right? Uh, and so we want to just continue to pray that God will will work powerfully in that area. And then in, if you've met Jim Eaton, uh, Jim is a uh, not a new friend to the Midwest Conference. He's served in significant ways throughout the past, but has joined us as director of church, or director of uh, youth ministry uh, over the past uh, year, and is really doing some wonderful work in connecting our youth uh, workers and youth pastors. So uh, God is bringing... Uh, two new churches into the Midwest Conference uh, right now. And, and I mentioned this at our, gather, our uh, annual meeting in April, but I want to just throw those photos up because I want you to be praying uh, for these new works. These are, are things that the Holy Spirit has sort of brought to us, and we're so grateful for that. Uh, Trinity Fellowship in Olathe, Kansas, had its first preview worship uh, service in the park a few weeks back, and 240 people showed up. Isn't that crazy for, for a new church? And uh, so we really believe, and I, and I just love the heart of Reed and Megan Kappel. They're, 
the pastors, um, just humble servants who really wanted to reach the unreached. And um, God is going to do some wonderful things through Trinity Fellowship. And then in three weeks, Desmond and Judea Robbins uh, are moving back to Omaha, which is their hometown, from California, where they've been for the last seven years. They got connected with the Covenant Church out in uh, Sacramento and uh, are coming back to plant a church uh, in Omaha with help from Midtown Covenant Sacramento as well as uh, the conference. So uh, really some gifted leaders, and we're so grateful for what God is doing as even in these strange times that we find ourselves in, the Holy Spirit continues to work forward um, with the gospel of Jesus. Now, one more photo, and then, then I want to get to the text for the morning. Um, this is a family photo that was taken a couple of months ago, and, and I show this simply to kind of frame who I am. Um, Cheryl and I used to be like this young married couple, and, uh, and then all of a sudden, when we're all together around a table anymore, which is a couple times a year maybe, uh, I'll, ever, I'll lean over and say, where did all these people come from? It's just like, uh, and if you're, you know, if, if you are somebody our age who has children and grandchildren, you may feel the same way. But we have 11 grandchildren, and this is the reason that at this stage of life, I feel so passionate that we need to join God in the work of building healthy churches and being healthy churches because our our young people and our next generation and new populations need to see churches that reflect Jesus. And that's that's the passion of my heart. Okay, let's talk about evangelism. And I want to begin by reading just those verses from Genesis chapter 12 that really are like the first uh, framing of our of the heart of God for why he wants to create a people for himself. And this is from Genesis 12, beginning at verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses I will curse, and all people on earth will be blessed through you. That's the heart of God. Um, and it's not something that we see just, of course, in Genesis. As we come into the New Testament, we see these texts that again and again and again remind us that sharing our faith is something that is a priority with our Lord. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, right? The Great Commission. Uh, Peter in 1 Peter 3 said, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. And Paul, of course, as well. Paul asked for prayer so that he could proclaim the mystery of Christ. And those are just a 
tiny sample of the verses throughout the Bible, throughout the New Testament, that talk about the importance of being able to share what Christ has given to us with those around us. The good news of Jesus is meant to be shared. It's life-changing, it's transforming, and our broken world is filled with people who are longing for hope. What they're longing for is a different kind of community, and we call it, Jesus called it, what? The kingdom of God. Now here's the problem. It's got to be a problem, right? There's got to be a there's got to be something that makes this message interesting, but this is a real problem. Uh, sometimes we as Christ followers shoot ourselves in the foot as we're trying to share the good news. Have you ever been there? <laughs> uh, Cheryl and I live near Wichita, Kansas. We have for the last 20 years, and occasionally we go out for dinner on the weekend and we'll, um, you know, we'll eat usually someplace cheap and share a meal because we're cheap. And then we'll go for a walk along the river, maybe. And then we'll end up in Old Town, um, Wichita, on the square, where we'll grab a cup of Starbucks coffee, which we share, because we're cheap. And, um, and we'll sit on a bench and talk and watch people. Sounds like a great date, right? And it is, you know, it's, it's fun. We, we uh, have done this many times. But one evening, we are sitting there on the square, drinking our coffee, and a middle-aged man in church clothes walked over to us and handed me something. He said, would you like a million-dollar bill? And I said, no, thank you. I, I really wasn't quite sure what he was doing, what he was selling, but I didn't really want to be distracted from our evening that we were enjoying. And so I said, no, thanks. But the man didn't take the hint. He kept pressing. He says, here, wouldn't you like to take this million-dollar bill? And then he asked me, do you know that you're going to go to heaven if you die? And I thought, ah, I should have I figured this out. Uh, I told him, well, yes, I said, actually, my wife and I are Christians, and uh, we're on the same team as you are. I don't know. I was just kind of making stuff up. And, and for some reason, he did not believe it. And I don't know. I mean, we were dressed normally. I don't know what he saw that made him question our salvation, but um, he would not believe that we were part of God's family, that we understood what it meant to be saved. And so I finally pulled out the big guns and I said, well, actually I'm a pastor. I never tell people that because that always changes the conversation. Um, and to my surprise, he began to interrogate us more rigorously now that he knew I was a pastor. What version of the Bible do you use? And, oh my goodness, I just was getting furious. You know how you can feel stress rising in you and you just suddenly want to become somebody who you're not? I was just feeling it that night. And finally I said, listen, my wife and I are Christ followers we are enjoying a date night out alone, and I'd really rather spend my time talking with her rather than talking with you. To which he finally got the hint. He walked back to a little group of three or four other people who then huddled around each other, took one look at us, and started praying. <laughs> and Gerald and I said, I bet we know who they're praying for, right? 
Oh my goodness. Maybe some of you have been targets of poorly executed evangelism in your life. Uh, you know, well-meaning church people who are trying to share Jesus with others, but just don't do it very well. And it's all too common. And I understand that because I'm not a natural evangelist. Um, our, our text today that I want to focus on is from Acts chapter 8. And it's an interesting story uh, that I want to read, and then let's talk about it. Because I think this gives us another example of how we might join God in being witnesses for the good news of Jesus in a more natural way. Acts 8, beginning at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, I love this story. It's, it's, it's a curious story to me. Uh, here the Holy Spirit is orchestrating something very, very different. Philip wasn't trying to put an evangelism notch in his Bible. You know, he wasn't out, he, he wasn't sent by his church from another town to, to go out and attack people with, uh, some evangelism strategy, but he was following the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And as he listened to the Holy Spirit, he went down to this desert road, and when he saw this Ethiopian, the Spirit said, go and just stay near that chariot. And so he did. Uh, and Philip, I, I can imagine him, he was walking, or, you know, a brisk walk next to this chariot, and he began to notice some things as he paid attention. First, he, he noticed that this eunuch who had been in Jerusalem had a very different life than he did. I mean, he wasn't a local man. Um, he had a high position in a foreign government. But being a eunuch, you know what that meant. I mean, he, had been a, he was a castrated man, which was not uncommon for government servants in the first century Middle East. I don't know why. But Philip paid attention. And as he walked alongside of this chariot, he kept his ears open. He listened. And he heard the man reading. And he understood. He, he caught the text. He, he knew he was probably reading from the Hebrew Scripture. And so Philip asks a question. Do you understand what you're reading? It was a pretty benign question, right? And the eunuch responded, How can I unless someone explains it to me? And then he invited Philip to come and sit with him as he read from Isaiah chapter 53. 
And here's the words he was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. We read in Acts 8, verse 34, that the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. He began where this Ethiopian eunuch felt a need to understand. Now, I know that you are in this uh, series on BLESS, and I love the BLESS acronym as we think about sharing with uh, Jesus with others. It's, it's, it's really a helpful kind of guide uh, to give us some good uh, practical uh, instructions that are very, very biblical. Uh, last Sunday, I, I did listen to the message that Carrie spoke last Sunday and, and really appreciated um, really appreciated that as Carrie began with the first of the, uh, the, the acronym, the letter B, uh, beginning with prayer. Prayer that God would give us compassion to see others through the eyes of Jesus. Prayer that God will enable us to be attentive to the Holy Spirit's promptings. B reminds us that we are to begin with prayer. My guess is that Philip had begun with prayer. And God spoke to him through the Spirit, through this angel, and put him in the same place as this Ethiopian as he was traveling down the road. Today we're going to go from B to the L in bless. And the L reminds us to listen with care. And I have to admit personally that I find it easier to talk than to listen. Any of you? Uh, it's, just, it's just easier to talk. And, I, and, and this is particularly true of pastors for some reason. And on behalf of pastors everywhere, I'm sorry. We, we talk too much. We sometimes don't listen enough. I think the man who approached us in, the old, in old Town uh, Square in Wichita with the million-dollar bill had the same problem. He just, he just wanted to, to do his spiel. He just wanted to talk us into the kingdom. Sometimes we want to get people saved so badly that we forget the very, very thing that's so important, and that is just stop and listen to what the Holy Spirit's doing. Listen to what the person is saying. There's ways to listen, you know. Um, many years ago, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German pastor during the, the rise of the Third Reich, time when the church was facing some incredible pressures from, the, from nationalism that had grown up in, in Germany. But he wrote this wonderful little book, Life Together, which is... Uh, kind of a book about the underground seminary that he had started. And really, it's one of my favorite books of Bonhoeffer. But he said, many people are looking for an ear that will listen. This was true in the 1930s. It's probably still true, right? Many people are looking for an ear that will listen. They do not find it among Christians, Bonhoeffer says, because these Christians are talking where they should be listening. 
But he who can no longer listen to his brother will soon no longer be listening to God either, he says. He will be doing nothing but prattle in the presence of God too. I think he's right. Sometimes listening is a good thing, not just to each other, but especially to God, to the Holy Spirit. You know, earlier I referenced a, a verse from 1 Peter 3 as we were beginning this message. And, and the verse, I, I like this verse that says, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. Except I left out a little segment of that verse. The segment that I left out says this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that's in you, right? That, that's actually a really helpful little phrase for me. It's like, I may have stuff I want to say, but are you really interested in what I have to say? Does this person really need to hear this, or do they have another question? Sharing the good news of Jesus is most effective when someone actually wants to hear about the good news. That makes sense, right? When there is an invitation. And I think what listening well does is it opens us up to hear the invitation that people might be giving us. Listening for the Holy Spirit's prompting. Then we can be available when God orchestrates those moments like he did for Philip walking along that Ethiopian uh, chariot. Um, And it means listening for nonverbal cues that people give. Uh, It's been almost 20 years ago that Cheryl and I moved from Minnesota back to Kansas to a town that we we knew nobody in uh, to plant a church. Uh, It's it's a crazy thing. Uh, I don't know that we would do it again, but it was amazing. And and God has honored that. But when we moved to this town, we moved into our house, and then we began, we, we didn't know anybody there, so what do you do? You start walking through the community and you start praying through neighborhoods, which is what we did for several weeks. Uh, just walking, paying attention, and praying. We tried to, to listen to the homes that we walked by, to the activities that were around us. And we noticed, we noticed things as we just kind of walked and prayed. We noticed homes that were distressed. We noticed homes that had a bunch of children's play equipment outside of them. We noticed homes that the shades were always shut when we walked by. We noticed homes that were in neighborhoods filled with activity. And after we prayer walked much of the town, we did something else that we really, really don't like to do. We started walking up sidewalks and knocking on doors. And uh, if, you've ever, if you've never done this, <laughs> you should try it. It's really an interesting thing. Now, we weren't selling anything, and we weren't even inviting any, any people to anything. We didn't have anything to invite people to yet. But we would walk up, knock on the door, and if people would answer and open the door, we would simply ask them a question. And the question was this. If you were looking for a church community to belong to, what would be most important to you? Just an open-ended question. And then we listened. And honestly, it was amazing. We probably knocked on 100 doors. Um, And it was amazing how many people actually stopped and talked to us and actually shared things with us. 
We heard stories of isolation. We heard stories of people going through health crises, family difficulties. We heard stories of people who had been hurt by churches or ignored by churches. We listened and we talked to people around town and as we listened, a common theme emerged from our community. There were a lot of folks in our town who felt like they did not measure up to the churches around them. And it was a sad kind of theme to hear. They felt like outsiders. And so a few weeks later, as we were actually beginning our first invitation to a, a preview worship service, we sent out a card to uh, about 8,000 homes in the community. And, uh, you know, had a nice picture on it and an invitation to this. And then we put a couple of little bullet points. And one of the bullet points was, are you looking for a place where there are no insiders or outsiders? And it was, it was almost a throwaway line that we just kind of threw in there because of, I don't know why. But in retrospect, it was a Holy Spirit-inspired phrase that captured the longings of quite a few people. Um, are you looking for a place where there are no insiders or outsiders? A number of people, young families with young children who had very little church background, some middle-aged folks like ourselves at the time, came and found that this was a place where there truly were no insiders or outsiders, because everybody was new. Each person who came felt like they could actually be heard, that their life mattered. And when they would come to visit, they would get an invitation, maybe out to coffee, but oftentimes it would be simply an invitation to come to our house and sit around our table, have some dessert, and talk. And we learn to listen. Listen about their lives. Listen to their story. Listen to their longings. Um, listening well is one of the best gifts that we can give our friends and our neighbors. Um, we often did it around food, by the way, and this is a preface to next week's message because um, Jesus really knew the power of eating together to create community. Listen well. What a gift for letting God set the table, set the environment for uh, changing lives. Now, I want to close with one image that you may maybe have seen if you've read any uh, of the, the Peter Scazzaro stuff on healthy churches and healthy spirituality. He uses an image like this. Um, icebergs are such interesting things. Um, I had a guy in my first church who actually sailed the next day after Titanic hit the iceberg. He was on a different ship coming across, and he had a picture of the North Atlantic big iceberg on his bedroom wall that he showed me. And he said, yeah, we sailed right past the wreck the next day in uh, 1912, I think it was, right? Um, crazy. Do you know that 90% of an iceberg is under the surface? Isn't that strange to think about? 
I mean, we see the 10% that sits above it, above the water, but 90% is below the surface. I really believe that's also true of the hearts and souls of us. We allow people to see a part, part of our lives. Uh, part of who we are is visible to you know, the, the, the viewing public. Um, but sometimes we make quick judgments and assumptions based on that 10% that really doesn't tell the story, right? Like the guy with the million, sorry, I'm stuck on this guy, the guy with a million dollar bill who came up to us. I don't know if he saw 10% of us. He maybe saw 3% of us. But he made a whole bunch of judgments on that. Most of us have longings and fears and questions that are not really visible above the surface of our daily lives. We don't let them be visible. There's a lot that goes on below the surface of each person. And the art of learning to listen well is to listen to the Spirit's promptings, to listen to what those longings, those fears, those questions are that are under the surface in our lives. Because that's really where evangelism begins. So when we get to the real issues of our less than perfect lives, of our anxieties, of our hurts, of our fears. On the surface, the Ethiopian eunuch looked like a successful leader. He was educated, he had a good job, but under the surface there was more going on. Think about it. Because he was a eunuch, a castrated man, he would have absolutely no future family, not of his own. His physical condition meant that he was excluded from certain parts of Jewish temple worship and life. On the surface, it looked like his life was good, but there was all kinds of stuff that he must have felt and understood that he was different. So when Philip explains to him the text in Isaiah 53, the eunuch was encouraged. And as they were traveling along, talking about this text, talking about Jesus, talking about the good news of the gospel, the eunuch sees some water and says, why shouldn't I be baptized? Philip apparently couldn't think of a, you know, a reason why not, and so they stopped, they went down to the water, and Philip baptized the man, and the Ethiopian became part of God's family, included in God's kingdom, inherited this whole new life that brought joy to him. The El of Bless is a reminder to listen well. Listen for God's promptings. Listen for the nonverbal cues of those around us. I mean, we, we meet people every day, oftentimes, right? Um, just pay attention. Pay attention to what's going on around you. Pay attention to the Holy Spirit. Listen for what's going on under the surface. Because that's where most of us that's where most of the motivating things in our lives happen, is under the surface. Listening sometimes mean learning, means learning to ask a simple question. Philip asked the Ethiopian, 
you understand what you're reading? That simple question opened up a whole new conversation and a transformed life. Jesus was a master of asking good questions. He usually didn't start with an answer, did he? He usually started with a question. A question that wasn't a surface question, but it addressed something under the surface. So my question today for you is how might God prompt us to listen well in the things that we come across tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, in our homes, in our extended families, in our workplace. Listen well. And let's pray that God will give us opportunity and an invitation to actually share what Jesus is doing in our lives. Lord, we pray that you would bless us with um, the ability not only to hear your voice, but to listen well to our neighbors. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church's information and events, head to bccwaverly.org.